Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Green Runner Mullen Show. Carly Telford, what a podcast you've got to look forward to. An England international who played in the World Cup and has represented England in all sorts of tournaments, the She Believes Cup. And Sam, our first England international footballer, mostly women footballer, I should say, uh, on the show. What a coup for the channel and what a coup for the show. Uh, amazing. Doesn't matter if it's uh, male or female, current England international, and that's that's all there is to it. Unbelievable. Can't believe we got her. Absolutely superb. Um, yeah, w- what a coup. I mean, so good of her to give her, give her time up. Um, obviously, Chelsea as well, who just had a great win last weekend at time of recording over Manchester City. So, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this one, as, as, we, as we do all of them, as you know. But, um, yeah, special. Very much so, and so obviously Sam's mentioned that so obviously she plays for Chelsea at the minute, and she actually played the last England game before COVID hit against Spain in the She Believes Cup, and I think obviously, Sam, you've got to remember that women's football is a lot different to men's football, but it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's why she is a name now that people possibly recognise a lot more, and the fact that obviously she's from Newcastle as well, and we always like to see one of our own do well. Absolutely. Um, the fact that she supports the black and white means she'll always be popular with us. Um, I think women's football is just growing and growing and growing and growing. And it's accelerating and snowballing so much, particularly over the last few years, at least. I mean, that World Cup last year was absolutely superb. Primetime viewing on the BBC. Um, we'll get we'll get into more about that as you'll come to hear with, with Carly. But um, it's just an exciting time for the game. And if anything, I think uh, the men's football can probably learn a bit from the women now. Uh, yeah, 100%. I think the, the togetherness and the fact that the whole country was together, especially for the last World Cup, which you played in the semi-final, she tells, her, tells us about the experience of that game in particular and everything about the tournament. It's just it's, it's fascinating, really. But again, a big thanks to our sponsors, BF52. Sam, you just can't get enough of Beer 52. Obviously, Christmas isn't too far away, and Beer 52 have got some great ideas for well, between now and then. They've even got, do you know what I saw what they got the other day? They've got a Beer 52 advent calendar. <laughs> and if you pre ordered it, I think it's like, I think it was 60 quid, but I think it was like half price. It looked absolutely brilliant. I th- I'm, I'm, it's tempted me. It, it, I'm not going to lie. It's tempted me. But just uh, one of them every day of December just to round off a, a nice chilly winter's eve. Mm, I do like the sound of it. I think a lot of people like the sound of it. Again, remember, you can get your eight cans of either beer, IPA, stouts or lager for five ninety five. dollars was just the, past, pa- pa- the price of packaging. We'll try and say that again probably when I've got my teeth in as well. It's my first little error. Of the night, <laughs> but yes, I'll tell you someone that doesn't make mistakes is Carly Telford, and, and again, it's a fantastic watch. Thoroughly recommend it, and it is the Green and Mullen show with Carly Telford. <laughs> hey, Hello, everyone, welcome to the Green and Mullen show on Newcastle Fans TV. We are here with an England international. It is the England international goalkeeper. Carly Telford. Carly, welcome to the Green Man Mullen Show. I told everyone switched off. I thought it was going to be someone like proper, proper special. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Hey, don't pick yourself up. Pick yourself I'm up. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. It's uh, obviously we're recording this while England are actually playing. So if you hear any shouts of like screams of the, the England men's team scoring goals. You see me distracted and looking at <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully the sanction screams are positives, not like a Jordan Pickford error or anything like oh. that. Yeah, I might just like be like, oh, you might see the body like Fantastic. But Sam, our first England international yeah. on the show. What a, what a coup, really. I know, we've hit the big time. I mean, with guests like this, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the... the um, 100 million offers from Netflix and Spotify surely are in the post now, surely. <laughs> well, I'm, ho- I'm, hopeful. I'm hopeful for it, I'm hopeful for it. Well, hopefully for not sure. Hopefully it's <laughs> Definitely. Um, Carly, where did the love of football start and what age did you really get into it? Uh, so I was probably about seven, um, just like probably most people's dads when I played Saturday Sunday league and my mum, I've got a brother and sister, just chucked us out with them and said, look, you can look after them or she'd, she'd come along and like, we'd just play all together with like loads of the other kids that were there. Um, and that's how it started really. I was just, I'd just have a kick around and um, I, I lived down south for a little bit. My dad's best mate, he had um, two boys. And when we used to go around there, um, I was actually, uh, he tried to get me to be a West Ham fan. So, uh, you were, yeah, I, that was my first shirt, it was a West Ham shirt. Um, didn't know any different at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was born I was born in Jesmond, but we moved down there when I was about two. But I used to go, we used to go around his all time. As soon as I go around, the ball would come out. That would be us like all afternoon, all evening, just mucking around playing footy. And then we moved back up north when I was about seven. And I went, uh, my primary school that I went to, um, literally the 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 headmaster had no like didn't even bat an eyelid that I played football and he was quite happy with me joining in the team. Uh, I was made like captain with one of the lads, so I was the away captain. He was the home captain. The lads didn't bat an eyelid. They'd be the first ones knocking on my door. We'd play out all night uh, around the streets like um, little hoodlums, but finding anywhere to whether it was, whether it was lampposts, trees, uh, anywhere we could find a patch to play footy. Um, and yeah, did that all the way through till I was about 13 and I joined my first boys um, sorry all girls team at Chesley Street um yeah and that was that was how it all started and that's how I got the ball rolling really I can't believe they tried to put you in a West Ham top Carly you dodged the bullet there mind <laughs> <Tell me about. laughs> but Sam even early on it seems that competitive edge and trying to get into you know people back in that in that sort of day would go out oh, to very masculine sport football back in you know, 20, 25 years ago, where now, obviously, it's so, so many different people, doesn't matter what yeah. age range or, you know, whatever ability you are, if you want to play, you can play, there's no reason for it, but just I just love the fact that Cardi was trying to break the barriers back at an early age. Exactly, it just goes to show how far it's come, because I remember um, when I used to play in goal back in the day, when I was um, 10, 11, 12 and whatnot, um, we had a girl in our team, and the problem was she wasn't allowed to play. Her ability-wise, she was up there. She was better than half the lads, but she wasn't allowed to play in the league, which is disgusting. Um, and that is actually... She actually works for Sky Sports now. Um, I, I won't give her name away, but it, rem- <laughs> uh, it rhymes with um, Gishelle Owen. There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it just goes to show that we're going in the right direction eventually. And it also goes to show that family influence is not always a good thing. Sometimes you just need to have a clean breakaway and know that the black and white is right for you, not West Ham. 
I'm saying. <clears throat> yeah, it was. It's mad because I just think I was so blessed because there's so many stories, like you say, where either schools didn't allow girls to play or maybe the surroundings in terms of the lads that were at that school just didn't think it was the right thing to be doing. Girls didn't play football, whether that was the parents' influence or whatever. But And that happened. I'd go to, we'd rock up, we'd, we'd get in the minibus, we'd go to a local primary school and play against another team. And you'd see straight away all the other parents were like, oh my God, there's a girl playing for their team. And yeah. straight away, like, well, I didn't think this was like a thing. Like, I've, I've always played with the lads. And it yeah. wasn't when like I remember my first game that I managed to score a goal because you used to play outfield um, and afterwards you'd hear a lot of the parents here because when you're a kid like especially at primary school like the physicality differences aren't really there everyone's still a sitting and if anything sometimes the girls are a little bit taller they're, they're actually grown quicker than the, the boys at that age so actually physically we can compete it's just as you get older and kind of more mature and some things like puberty kick in that the differences really start to show so actually at a younger age group I, I'm definitely a believe that it should be very encouraged because I think that girls and boys can both flourish and there's not a lot of skill difference at all and um, physicality differences so um, I just think if you can encourage that in that environment I think outside of that environment I think boys are more receptive to get, to seeing girls on a level par with them as well um, and my lad me still now they're like oh we made you we made you we used to play football all the time <laughs> <laughs> and when they come to the games and that, and like my best mate Craig came to France to the World Cup to watch me, and um, like we just we were just laughing at the end to just like how was two little hoodlums from like Shield Row <laughs> like stood in France at a World Cup like just just still doing what we love, just still playing footy like it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, I do have to be thankful for them because they'd be like say if it wasn't for them knocking on my door or coming around with a footy and letting us play, then maybe I wouldn't be here. Yeah, for sure. What? When did it become noticeable that you were going to be a goalkeeper, Carly? Because I suppose <laughs> when you're that young, you just there run around and chase the ball and just enjoy, obviously, your youth. But when did it become a bit apparent that you thought, well, I'm going to try and start becoming a bit more serious and goalkeeper is the position I want to be? Um, it was a complete accident. So I went, to, like, see, I went to my first um, goalkeeper, uh, sorry, goalkeeper, and I went to my first uh, trials for, for the girls' team. I was just me and my brother, we just rode down the fields. And there was like some girls playing with it with, with there was a man there and me and my brother were just having to kick about and we were using like a porter cabin as a goal and we were just firing it off there and the man walked over and said oh do you play football and i was like uh well yeah but he was like well, do you play for anyone and i said not at the minute he said look we're having trials for chester street next saturday uh go home and tell like your parents and if you want to come down you can so me and my brother like cycled home as quick as we can because i've never heard of any girls teams so i told my dad and my dad was like right brilliant we'll try and get down there so I didn't have any boots and gloves, so I just rocked down there and went down there. And to my sins, which is, this is the hilarious thing, I don't know where my mum got it from, um, is that she put us in like a big woolly, I remember it was like yellow and it had black padding down the arms and it was a big, <laughs> dirty Sunderland badge in the middle. It was Sunderland goalkeeper. Oh. I've gone down there and saw so the first thing they've said, oh, you play, are you a goalkeeper? When I was, I was absolutely crap myself, so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll play in goal. <laughs> just hoid as a net and like from then literally like I just play I just absolutely loved it and I was daft enough to throw myself around and I guess get dirty and not complain about it and I was like 12 and I won like lots of awards under 13s tournaments um little team was brilliant um one of the girls that I played with Rachel Furness she plays for um Liverpool now and we just had a really good little team and yeah I just played in goal absolutely loved it and I just seemed to be like a, a natural at it which is was mad for me really and I had and a pair of gloves for that season because my mum and dad couldn't afford them. Obviously, back in the day, they were like 40, 50 quid, which was a lot of money. I'm not going to give away how old I am, but it was back then. 
there. So yeah, I just learned a pair of gloves that kept my hands warm, and yeah, I was just just loved it. Like, um, and ever, ever since then, I've just yeah managed to get to where I am now, which may have been a bit of an accident, but uh, probably the best accident I've ever had. I love how your mom's just kind of designed oh, this top and the green of everything. <laughs> I don't oh. even know. Still this day, like my mom passed away like two, three years ago, and I still to this day I haven't asked her where she even got it from because I don't <laughs> know how it got in the house. Literally, my walls were covered in David Ginola, Les Ferdinand, Shaq Islaw. Like they were my that was my wall, and somehow she managed to drag <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> it was so thick and warm, and it was like peak winter. So uh, yeah, but it managed to get me in in a place where uh, it's given me a career. Yeah, for sure. We'll touch about that sort of era because. Mr. Muller to the left of me on my screen, he absolutely adores that sort of era in the, the Les Ferdinand days. Oh, don't we all? That, that, <laughs> no, isn't that the reason, though, why we all support Newcastle? That that kind of era. It is. Gonna... <laughs> we hope and pray that that's <laughs> when that starting eleven gets put in that first game. We think, here we go. This is this is it. And then, <laughs> maybe next year, lad. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But uh, from one goalkeeper to another, Mr. Mulner, um, how do you think you get a good goalkeeping technique if you were to give advice out? Because I think, obviously, you can... Exactly, I was, I was hoping you were going to raise eyebrows because I knew you weren't going to really answer that as well as I thought you would. But um, no. <laughs> but do you, it, it does require a lot of skill, doesn't it, Sam, to have like a particular technique as a goalkeeper? Because I know with outfield players, you know, your left foot, your right foot, you, you try and use both feet as much as you can. It's completely different with the, goal, with the goalkeepers and to be basically 100% all the time concentrated, even for the slightest moments, you, you know, it goes in the back of the net if you make a mistake. So it is really, really difficult. Well, this is it. There's only one of you. So you've got to be incredibly competitive, a bit loopy, and have incredibly thick skin. Because if you make a mistake, you really let your team down. I mean, if your right-back make makes a mistake, it goes out for a throw. If the goalkeeper makes a mistake... You're really in the shit. So <laughs> you've got to have incredible um, thick skin, Carly. I mean, did you? Does it? Did it kind of spur you on in a way, or was it just that natural competitiveness about you that just made you want to become a goalkeeper and just not really care about the the pressures of it? Yeah, I think it was that. I think I just naturally like just I just fell in love and and. When you were playing under thirteens, like you're playing the smaller goals. So for me, I just felt like I was I could save anything and everything. When I was fourteen and, and like you say, the FA hadn't really given rules and guidelines of age caps and stuff yet. So I was fourteen when I played in my first first team game and I was playing with women that were like thirty five. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> my first mistake and fully being aware I had made a mistake because I was effing blind. And like you say, the guidelines then are not as half as what they are now in terms of like, you shouldn't speak to young players like that and don't say that. So yeah, like I was fully aware. But also I think that was from, because I, at such a young age, I was so exposed to like, like you say, people being so competitive and how much it meant to people. That growing up actually, like one, I never wanted to do that to youngsters, but also too, like nothing was ever going to be as bad as that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can absolutely blitz from a 35-year-old woman who was kind of volley across the pitch if you didn't save the next one. I was like, okay, nothing can be as bad as this. Um, but at the same time, like it does, like we was I was mixed in like say first team football, and um it was like I was like a rabbit in the headlights because I went from this like say, small under 13 goal to all of a sudden realizing the size of of a goal and what that what you're actually trying to kind of 
stop the ball going in and it, it was such a huge difference but I think for me it, it, I learned so much in that um in that small period of time that small window but again like the the technique of, of being a goalkeeper is that there's not one way to goalkeep and I'm sure you guys have seen that with the amount of goalkeepers have gone through Newcastle and all the different ways of the success we've had the the, the not so successful goalkeepers we've had and even on the international stage trying to find who's going to be best fitted for our international team um and it's yeah, it's it's just all about one thing. It's how you keep the ball out of the net, basically, and that is the art of goalkeeping. Some keepers do it better than others through various different ways, whether it's their hands, their feet, their movement around the goal, the size of the what they are in the goal. The lads now, like I look at Shea Given and how, and I used to love Shea Given because he was a small goalkeeper. And I don't yeah. think people appreciate when you're just over maybe six foot and the size of that net, size of the goal, and the speed of the players, speed of the ball, and how much distance he has to cover compared to someone like Courtois, who's six foot seven, and one step to his left, one step to his right, and he covers all corners and all areas of the goal. Like, the art of goalkeeping is something that, like, I'll always appreciate, and I'm sure you you will being stood in there. <laughs> um, and maybe outfielders don't kind of... We're not we don't get enough credit for, but don't quite understand, and it does still infuriate me when they, they talk about goalkeepers on match of the day or, or after games when they're not goalkeepers themselves, because I'd love for those people to stand in a net in a fixture and actually see what it feels like and what they're contending with <clears throat> um, because it's not just like so you're not just and especially in the modern game you're not just a goalkeeper anymore you're effectively an outfield player we want you to pass we want you to start attacks we want you to also stop the ball once upon a time you just stand just stand on your line stop the ball going in the net the rest we don't really care about now we want you to play with your feet we want you to be to be a footballer you want to be a, like an 11th player effectively um, and that's what I think a lot of teams are time with in it we want you to stop the ball going in the net if you can be an Edison a Pickford and get us extra goals or whatever, or start attacks effectively, then actually that might sway us towards selecting you as well. So, um, yeah, the game's definitely changing. And yeah, the art of goalkeeping, I think, all, will always keep evolving for lots of different reasons. Is that I the biggest... Go on, Sorry, Charlie. I'll tell you what, I miss them small goals. I was, <laughs> I, I was over six foot at the age of 13, and, and nothing was getting past me at that. I mean, when I got to 14, we had to go to the bigger goals. That's... That's where my ability dipped, coincidentally. <laughs> I really love them small goals. It's such a big change, though, isn't it? It's like yeah. in there living your best life next minute. There's all sorts going in. You don't know how to stop it. <laughs> yeah. Is that the biggest change for a goalkeeper, though, Colin? The fact that you're saying playing with your feet now, effectively. Yeah. If you had to change your way to goalkeeping over the years. Sorry? So, yeah. I was just going to say over the years, did you, is that the biggest change for you as a goalkeeper to obviously you've talked about being that 11th player to be able to obviously play the ball with your feet a lot more often. You find that Did you find that difficult to start with or were you naturally good with the ball at your feet? Yeah, I think that's probably the thing that's got me probably to where I am. I think I was really lucky that I played outfield for uh, five or six years before I started in goal and that gave me quite a good ability with my feet. I've always been quite comfortable with the ball at my feet. And I think as the games evolved, especially when I've been picked at an international level, um, especially for girls, like it's something I think that we struggled with uh, back in the days. Like it sounds so simple, but being able to kick a ball far, um, especially as a young girl, um, having the strength and the power and the, the technique to be able to distribute a ball, which goes far enough that you aren't constantly defending, if that makes sense. And I think nationally, if um, I got selected on because I was, an okay goalkeeper but two because I could make sure that when I had the ball in my hands or on the floor I could distribute well enough that we could start attacks or maintain 
um, a level that we were high enough up the pitch that we could defend from them areas. Some girls do still struggle with that. Some some guys still struggle with that. But I think through brute strength, force, and probably um, puberty in terms of getting stronger earlier, that distributing a ball, whether you're tall punting it or you've got terrible technique, you can still hit a good distance as a, as a young man. With girls, when they haven't got that strength and if the technique's not right and it doesn't far enough up the pitch, one, it does definitely look terrible. Um, but two, also... Um, it doesn't help the quality of the game or the football. And I think that for me, I was quite lucky that 14, 15, 16, I could distribute ball pretty well. And and from then, luckily for me, the game's evolved enough that um, now that's kind of used as a weapon. Um, and yeah, it's probably got me um, and kept me in lots of different... Yeah, for sure. I think, obviously, after the youth, you go into proper teams now. And obviously, we're not talking about the fact you play for Sunderland. We'll just keep that very, very quiet. <laughs> Um, but Leeds United ladies obviously playing the FA Cup final and got play with a match. That's got to be some sort of achievement. I know the result didn't go the way you wanted it to, but what an what an achievement! Yeah, it was it was it was unbelievable, really. Like it was our first, my first FA Cup final against the, the Arsenal, which were at, at that moment in time winning absolutely everything year after year after year for for such like a young lead side that we were. And we'd only been together, I think, two seasons. Um, we were a new team as such. Um, lots of young players to get to an FA Cup final. You could argue lots of us froze on that stage. But for me, it was an opportunity because the reason I got man of the match was, yes, we lost. I think it was 4-1 or 3-1. But there was, I think, 40 shots and 28 on target. So I did all right, really, when you look at it like that. Yeah, it was an average game. Um potentially a lot like most um, or in the past, maybe last year's Newcastle games where we were defending for our lives effectively for a lot of the time and in that you get your, usually either your keeper plays really well or has to perform to keep the score down um, and if you do then you're always in with a chance but um, yeah, I, I managed to come out with man of the match which was weird feeling losing by four but still getting player of the match as a goalkeeper but yeah, it's definitely something I've, I've still kept, I've still got the, I've still got the bottle uh, champagne bottle. I think it's. I think my dad's got it um, in the trophy cabinet because again, it was it was one of my first ones, and on such a big stage, it was I think about twenty five thousand people at Notts Forest um, on that day, and it was televised and stuff like that. And again, it, it just puts you in that spotlight. And I was knocking on the door. I think we met up for England that night. Um, I think we were going away to Bulgaria for a qualifier, and I just remember like everyone coming up to me, is being like, "You was you was class today. You was brilliant. Like I really hope you play in the." England game that, that's coming up, blah, blah, blah. So, again, like, it's, it was just another kind of um, feather in my hat for, for wanting to go on, to lead me on the path, I guess, that I've, I've, I've ventured on to now. So, yeah, it was it was a fantastic experience and I definitely loved that Leeds team. Um, it just happened to end in, in a pretty sad and sour way, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. And obviously, obviously with the fact that the women's game is doing so well now, you, you, you're not going to see, hopefully, when everything gets back to normal, that, you know, clubs fold or certain things that are out of their hands really yeah yeah definitely and that's that's what happened to us so we were again we went on that next season to win the league up and, and beat a very strong Everton side that was full of internationals again with a very young side and we was on such an upward trend and we we're about to join the WSL and um, our main sponsor who were Carnegie at the time decided to pull out which meant Leeds was no more so that left kind of um, a lot of us having to scramble for clubs and I ended up getting picked up by Chelsea um, so I do hope like I say when things happen that Luckily, we don't, they don't invest a lot of money usually in the women's game, so I don't think they'd be making huge um, losses if they do invest. But unfortunately, when it comes to to something that's unprecedented, 
as this and, and, and these times that unfortunately companies have to, to do stuff to keep their heads above water. But I just generally hope that the women's game can survive. And I think we've thankfully in the past five years invested so well and done so much for the game that I think it's pretty in a good steady state right now. So um, hopefully it stays that way. Definitely for sure. Sam, when Chelsea come along, it doesn't matter who it is, you're kind of going to go, oh, I'd love to go and play for Chelsea, especially with the way the world's going and especially living in Cobham. We were just talking off air, Carly, it's a lovely part of the world and it's hard to turn it down, Sam, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it would be, yeah. Um, and the thing is as well, just to go back onto that FA Cup final and how the women's games evolved, that was the only time women's football was ever on the telly back yeah. then. Was I the women's FA Cup final? That was it. That was all you would see. Or two for that reason. Like it was on TV. It was a massive day, televised. All that your friends and family could watch back home or travel. <clears throat> and that was the one day. But now, like, not <laughs> not that it's everywhere, but it's almost become the norm for every weekend there to be yeah. a game. Red button on the FA Player on online, or you can stream it. Like, and that's what it's becoming more normal. It's just becoming football, and that's what. That's what we've always wanted, I guess, as females is not to be. It's not to be the female game. It's just like you'll sit and watch. Like if I couldn't watch England game tonight, well, early I was watching like Ireland play Finland. Now that's not just because I support Ireland or Finland, but it's just a game of footy I can stick on. It's just on in the background while I'm just pottering around, like football. So I think if you're any kind of football fan, just stick a game on, like men's or women's, and just enjoy it for being football. And I think that, like, say that's a true football fan for me. Like that's it's just you're just watching something that you love. Yeah, too right. I mean, you referenced there as well meeting up with the uh, with the England lot just after that FA Cup final as well. Um, do you remember where you were when you first got that call to represent your country? And do you still get the same kind of buzz when you get cooked? Obviously, you're in the squad for later this month. Do you still get that same buzz, or it's, do you just expect it now? Yeah, no, I, well, I definitely get the same buzz of anything. I probably get more and more nervous as I get older because I know that fortunately my wind is getting smaller and smaller. I'm, I'm 33. It's no kind of um can't get away from from my age that that I'm at the other end of my kind of career the the nerves I got when I was like 17 18 getting that call and if anything it was usually the eight the 19s manager might pull you to one side and be like hope once you win the senior um fixture next next week or whatever and you'd be absolutely pooing yourself <laughs> but yeah. when in that team at that time when you had Kelly Smith Bay White Mary Phillips, people like that who you idolised and watched and wanted to be like. And now, like you say, you're sitting next to them at the dinner table or the spare seats next to one of the big dogs and you think, oh my God, I'm going to have to sit there and make some sort of conversation. What do I talk about? <laughs> All these kinds of things like that you were just so nervous about. Like, I'm now that player as such. So I'm now the one that goes to camp and make sure like the young ones are all right and they feel comfortable. I don't want them to feel nervous. And Ericsson's just scored a penalty. I didn't see it away. So it's 1-0 Denmark. Um, yeah, um, that, that that kind of thing's changed. So now it's I'm more probably nervous that, that eventually I know I'll be getting a call or a letter that will say I'm not selected. I think that's for me now. I'm trying to perform at the highest level as much as I can to make sure I'm still in, I stay in that squad for as long as possible. But I do know that um, the nerves are probably more about one day that will that will say not selected, and I'll have a conversation that probably says we are going with younger younger players, and that's just the way the game goes. But for now, I'm just so excited about being in the squad and staying in the squad. That yeah. Sorry, it looks like oh, Maitland Niles has come off for some reason, and this is like interrupting everything. And <laughs> we've gone to a four at the back by the looks of it. 
Mings is on and it looked like either Walker or would give it away penalty. It was a bit scrappy, really. <laughs> this is the closest I've ever got to becoming Jeff Stillen. So thank you very much for the Carly, for England Denmark game at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, it's. but the thing is, though, like, I, I love that. I love the fact that the fact that playing for your country, look, even if it's the, the men's team as well, it's still the kind of the back of your mind going, well, how are we getting on? Oh, we're winning this game today. Oh, I've just given away a penalty. Oh, Ericsson's just got it. It, it's on your mind constantly, but that's I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I love it, man. Honestly, it's, it's sad, but I do love it. I <laughs> part of my life for so long, I can't get away from it. Like, I just it's hard. Like, sometimes that, like, I don't even like say it doesn't even have to be a team I support, it's just on like Saturdays on or so it's on. Just, just easy for me, like, just to, to watch, watch the game. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you played obviously for Chelsea for a couple of years and then went to Notts County. That seems a bit of a surprise for you. I've seen reports that you were very, very shocked that you were told that you could leave at that point. But you had the chance in another FA Cup final for Notts County to try and see, tell you all the all the people for, for like at Chelsea that they were wrong. And again, you were very lucky not to be on the winning side that day, but you played your part that day as well. Yeah, and I was, so when Emma became manager, who's my current manager at the minute at Chelsea, uh, it's funny how things work out, that um, <laughs> came in and decided that I wasn't a person that she wanted at the club. Like, I'll admit, probably back then, the, the game was going from part-time to full-time, and I was probably not in a full-time mindset, and I think that's where the game's changed. Um, I was probably still living life as a part-time athlete. Um, so probably didn't take care of myself as well as I could, probably not making the right choices, and Emma wanted to come in and make Chelsea basically a winning side and a side that was relentless in the pursuit of winning and yeah for me she just turned around and said we're, we, we, um, we're releasing you from the club so I was reunited with my former Leeds manager at Notts County and a lot of the girls once Rick got to the county he was very good at recruiting and recruited actually a lot of the girls that, that we played together at Leeds so we actually had pretty good team and managed to get ourselves to a cup final yeah and play again and, and whenever I played against Chelsea like I was like I'm just gonna meet. I'm just gonna show them. <laughs> but it's funny because I always played well against them, and she always shook my hand at the end. And then when um, everything went wrong at Notts County, uh, it's funny how things come come round in full circles. And uh, I got the call that uh, they needed a goalkeeper at the time. We had a, they had a couple of injuries, and I was a free agent because uh, Notts went into liquidation. Um, again, through the men's club wanting to use their money in, in other places, which was, it, it happens. And yeah, I yeah, I played uh, a season with Chelsea and they offered me a two-year deal, or Emma offered me a two-year deal so, and said that she had a funny feeling that maybe um, we would always be re reunited at some point. And we were. And here I am sitting with lots of men trophies and and um, yeah, I'd say that she made the right decision because she's she's formidable when it comes to the amount of titles that she's won. And she hasn't done that by making, I guess, easy decisions. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, it made a better person, a better player because of it as well, I think. Of course. And Sam, Emma Hayes, that, it seems the name becomes synonymous now with women's football. I think it used to, it used to be Hope Powell and how it's kind of just transformed over the time. And yeah. I'm surprised that I'm going to ask the question to... Uh, to Carly later, maybe about could she be the next England manager? I know they've just appointed a new England manager, but maybe down the line could that happen? But she could potentially manage a men's side, couldn't she, Sam? If she really wanted to, there's no reason why not. Like in like, not, in the, like in the yeah, NFL, club, for example, she's not one to be messed with, is she? Let's face it. <laughs> um, how how does she compare with uh, other managers you've worked with, Carly? Is she is she the best? One of the best? 
yeah she's definitely one of the best i think i think what's happened is as time's gone on is the and this is no disrespect to men that come into the women's game, that what happens is you expect a level or a female footballer or athlete to be the same as a male footballer. So that whether that's the way you train, the way you speak to them, the way you manage them, whatever, and actually we're not the same. We're not small men effectively, which is how a lot of companies or, or professionals have treated us in the past. And I think with Emma, she looked at it a completely different way. And whether that's how she emotionally manages us, the way she speaks to us, the way she, um, this is probably going to be weird hearing this on a podcast, our menstrual cycles, how we are during our periods, how we are emotionally, um, how we're more receptive to injuries during those times. So whether she's the moments of training where players might break down more, um, etc. Like just all the small things that have probably been overlooked in uh, female athletes, not just footballers for so long. And putting all those things together, um, has made a really successful team. And I think that the way she addresses us as, as players has a huge effect. Um, I think that she's backed by a phenom- phenom- phenomenal sorry, chairman who has allowed her, given her the reins to to kind of do not do what she wants, but we went from being able to drive in the car park, sit in the car park, turn up in our kit, turn up on a 3G at a half eight at night at twice a week on and, and be kicked off at half nine effectively with an hour, maybe hour and a half train if we were lucky. Um, to now owning our own building with three pitches, goalkeeping area. We've got about 10 or 15 staff. We have lunch, breakfast. We effectively, we, we mirror what the men do. And she's managed to do that in seven years, as well as win all the accolades that she has individually and collectively as Chelsea. And that's that doesn't just come from Emma, from what she wants. She has to have someone upstairs who, who's signing the checks, but also believing in what her vision is. Um and Mr. Abramovich, he's Mr. Chelsea, like he just wants trophies, he wants this club to win and he will do anything, whether that's his under 18s, his under 12s, his women's team, his first team. Like he is just, he just loves the loves the club so much. Um, and yeah, Emma's just, a, she's a really great person, a really great coach. And whether she goes on to do international or men's football is, is a really good question. Um, it'll be asked over the next few years when maybe she starts thinking about doing other things because I think she's been at Chelsea for about, Eight, eight years now, eight, nine years. And I think her ambition is to win Champions League. And then I think she'll maybe tackle something else or maybe, like say, spend some time with her son that probably she doesn't get to see that much. <laughs> I know she's at the training ground a lot. No, it's great actually to hear that she's managed to transform it and to make it a very professional out, out, uh, outlet now, which is fan- fantastic to say the least. Going back onto England now, Carly, the World Cup in 2015, obviously that was your first World Cup and you were a squad member for that one. I'm going to obviously touch more about the 2019 one, but just very briefly, that the last minute against Japan and the whole... I think that, do you know, I think it was probably the first time where the whole country kind of thought, oh my God, this is getting really close now. And I, I, I think it was... Everybody kind of felt the same heartache when uh, that the last minute goal happened, but yeah, it was, what do you, you think about it? Well, Bass is actually one of my very close friends, and she was actually my roommate. So for me, it was heartbreaking because we'd actually been through a pretty. I broke up with my partner just during the first two weeks of the World Cup, so she'd managed to get me through that. And then obviously, we went on this mad journey. Like as a group, uh, we travelled from the from the east coast of Canada all across to the, the the east the west coast of Canada. We'd done about three or four cities. We'd been there for four or five weeks. Just like 
not living our best lives, but it was it was like an unbelievable. We were just on this ride of like winning games, winning games, the whole nation's game. It was like probably one of the first times social media had really been used a lot. And obviously all these people who can interact with you and speak to you or big you up or like your pictures or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, like, we'd just become this whirlwind. And because we were so far away from home, like our media guys at the time were just firing us stuff and being like, guys, like, we're front page this morning, we're back age with this and you're just thinking what like this is mad like what the hell's going on and then like you say that that game against Japan like we were just like we we're just on such a wave that we didn't actually think that we were going to lose like when you're just on this thing we're just feeling this this bond we had in the group it just didn't feel like anything was going to go wrong and then for it to go the way it did was just you couldn't have wrote it I think if that same ball and that same player was in that exact spot that she couldn't have done it again like physically could not have done and put it where she put that ball and for it to happen to probably one of the not that there's better people than others but for me she's one of the best people best teammates that I've had and for it to happen to her in what was probably her last tournament it was just heartbreaking and then you say you get the final whistle and like you just think well what can you do like you just you just all went to the dressing room like she was in absolute floods of tears like few of us were because we just couldn't believe it you haven't a console and then all of a sudden you've got five minutes late you've got well we've actually got another game three days we now have to pack yeah. up and, and leave and go somewhere else and fly to another city and, and play another game but if anything like the draw went now favor because we ended up playing germany and we've never we've never been germany in a major tournament before and we were like right we know england germany like we've seen this happen a lot of times being sat in front of a TV and willed them on and willed them on. It's never happened. But actually now we're the ones with the boots on, with the shirt on. Let's make a difference and let's put to bed what just happened and, and do what we can to to make what was a situation into a into an amazing one. And, and and we managed to do that and it was yeah, it was just unbelievable. Like I'll never forget that night. Um it was just mad. <laughs> like <laughs> as you can imagine like most of the, I think the quarter of the squad's like a mixture of Geordies and Mackham, so we would just go mad. Like, there's a lot of scouts in there, there's a free bar, and you can imagine the carnage. <laughs> in there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just the best way to end what could have been such a sour way to go. Um, and yeah, like beating the Germans who were actually having a little event over the other side of the road, which we get crashed as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was just amazing, and it was. Yeah, it was just a, it was a beautiful place to play football. Um, Vancouver is still one of I don't know whether you, either of you've ever been before. One of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to in my life. And if I could recommend go and you ever get near that place, please do go. Um, and yeah, the people were so accommodating, and we just ended um, what could have been maybe is is what was meant to be if that happens, um, and maybe put us on a path for for something more. Um, hopefully, we can in the next couple of years really go and and, and get England what what every English person has craved in a, such a long time, which is a, as a World Cup or a European Championship win. Yeah, you're not you're not far off. You're not far off from that big, big win. It's going to happen eventually. And <laughs> again, 2019 comes along, Sam, and a tournament that no, no, it's just been invented, really, just out of nowhere, the She Believes Cup and England won. So there was a, that yeah. was kind of the first step big. to get into that big, either Euros or World Cup win. And obviously, Cardi played two matches with that. And then the World Cup came along, Sam, and... The 14th of June 2019 comes along, Sam, because this is the moment I think Carly's been waiting for her whole <laughs> career to play for England in a big tournament in a World Cup. About time. Argentina, exactly, against Argentina. And 
what a moment for her, but for, for, the, for you, Sam, could you could you describe that moment if you if it was you, I for mean, example? Yeah, I mean, for you just touched on playing the Germans in the in the previous World Cup, Carly, and then all of a sudden you're getting the start against Argentina, which is kind of England's other big rival. When did you find out you were starting that game, and what was the mindset going into it? Um, so I found out. Uh, the day before, so we usually announce the team day before, so we can go through a uh, match day minus one kind of protocol, which is usually how we're going to beat the team, um, work with stuff on the pitch like that. Um, yeah, so I found out, and I was like, okay, right, this is this is actually happening. And it, there's always like I've always tried to have the mindset of, especially going to big tournaments, you, especially as a goalkeeper, if you're second or third, you're probably thinking something's going to have to go on terribly wrong for me to be playing. Um, and thankfully for me, Phil seen it as an opportunity to play and give me time. Um, I wasn't number one going into the tournament, Kaz uh, Barsley played the first game, and he just said, look, I believe in you, I think you can get us what we need, which was effectively, and it's always hard because that second game, like if you win it, you've practically qualified, that's job mm -hmm. done, you are pretty much through to last 16, but if you lose, going into that last one, you might have made it a bit difficult for yourself. So I was like, okay, so we need to win the game. It's against Argentina, who are one of those sticky oppositions. We don't get to play many South American oppositions, so it's always difficult. We can't usually like play them in friendlies and stuff, so they're always a bit difficult. Like, say, lots of tricky players, but we knew how we were going to beat them. And then, like you say, the game comes along exactly what you think is going to be. It's messy. There's we have lots of possession, we have lots of shots, and we finally score. And then you're thinking, right now, we've just got to keep a clean sheet. And I'm thinking that is all my job. <laughs> just, <laughs> this is like 15 yeah. years keep the clean sheet and when we put solid like fine I'm coming out punching things I'm like stay calm waste a bit of time manage the game manage the game final whistle blows and you're just like absolute like big puffage I think if there'd been like a GoPro come on me it just would have been like the biggest exhale ever because I think I must have felt because <laughs> you're just thinking you just don't want to let the team down like you just don't want to just show everyone that you can compete on this stage and yeah, like afterwards, like I was, yeah, you can imagine the feeling. I was, I was so happy. I don't think you could have wiped the smile off my face. Like, and it actually went on to be a really good thing because I actually had to play a bigger part in the rest of the tournament. And um, so it, it really prepared me for um, a really, ho not hostile, but it was, a, it was a loud atmosphere. There was lots of fans there. Um, it was north of France. So we had lots of people come over. And I think for my family, it was just like, you finally get to, I guess, for my dad and my brother and sister who have spent lots of time in the car with me or whatever, you finally get to see, as my dad always says, his little girl, like, living a dream. Like, I'm, I'm probably always going to be his little girl, even though I'm taller than him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I finally get to, like, take that one off the list. And, and, and they were there for it. So it was... Yeah, it was unbelievable and, again, got us the, the six points that we needed and, and then, like you say, the, the, the pressure's a little bit off in the last game. So, yeah, it was yeah it was, it was was a class feeling. Definitely kept that shirt and getting it framed. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, though, that game was bloody nervy to watch because they were just so kind of tricky to break down and then there was, like, um, we missed a penalty in that game as well. Yeah, Keats, I think Keats... Keats, yeah. Keats yeah, yeah. So like, and that's when you just know you're thinking, oh, that's no, it's not one of these ones. I where like we're we're comfortable. It's scrappy and and but but like you say, it's like one long ball, or one missed pass, or something like that, and they're counter attacking. And you know they've got players that they're, they're typical South Americans. They're going to throw themselves around, get a good set piece or whatever like that. And you're just thinking like, oh, we're just going to chuck ourselves 
do the typical English thing and be cruising all game and then give away a set piece at the end and concede and everyone's going, oh, England, blah, blah, blah. And we were just like, no, keep cool heads, keep cool heads and like just execute the game plan, which we did, thankfully. And, and like, say so 1-0 was enough to to get us home and dry. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> and then that, the game against the US, now semi-final of the World Cup, probably the biggest game of your career, probably. Wow. It, it, had, it was a game that had absolutely... Everything. If you literally said like this is happening in a in a game of football, then that was going to be the game. You know, miss penalties and VAR and Ending just and off and when goals and like I remember watching the game and there was actually quite a few a few people in the pub that night and the amount of people that were going definitely on definitely a penalty definitely a penalty and then obviously. Oh, she's not offside. She's not offside. It's definitely a goal. Then obviously it was offside, but then we did get the penalty. But <laughs> what was that whole night like? I know obviously that again the result was just very marginal. Yeah, you could have got either way that night. But did it, did Phil Neville say anything to you beforehand, or was it just a case of I know what you can do and just deliver it as best as you can? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, for me, uh, I found out day before. So when we're in match day. On KB had picked up a bit of a niggle in the Norway game um, in the quarterfinal with her hamstring and was kind of saying like she was a bit uncomfortable. We were she was like I can get through it, so we were like cool. And then we we have three days between games, so you've got a travel day and then a training day, and then you got your match day minus one, and then you play. So the sorry the middle training day, like she was fine. Um, we get to match day minus one, and we're just doing our normal goalkeeping drill that we usually do. Match day minus one, little passing and whatever. And bump goes down like, like goes down quick, like you know, like like someone's being shot goes down, and you're thinking. And she all she did was a pass, and all of a sudden, like me and Ellie and Mary looking at each other, like, uh oh. And then Mace is like, right, physios get over, and that's it. They're like, she's out. So we're just about to go into our small sided games, and and Phil's come over. He's like, you ready? And I was like, I'm ready. I was like, <laughs> we waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> I was like. I'm ready. I was like, I trust in what I've done. And there's at no point, like, I think because I'd played and I'd been a lot, like, say it was my, my uh, third or fourth tournament that I'd always had the mindset of what if and not to just go there and like, all right, I'm second or third, just enjoy the ride. Like, I'm never going to play. Like, always, always be ready because then I can never have any regrets in case I'm needed on. That's always been my mindset. So when he was like, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, like, let's do this. Like, enjoy the rest of training. And then after that, just like, just try to keep as normal as possible. Do nothing different. Relax, um, sit on the balcony, niece, like, just chill. Um, and then, like say, you look at the game day, you're just trying to think in your head, you're trying to think, right, it's just another game. It's just another game because you do not want to let that whole, like, oh my God, this is a semi-final of a World Cup against <laughs> the best team in the world. Um, get the better of you and I just was like look I'm just going to enjoy all of us were like, like you have to be in those moments you have to try and keep as cool as, as possible and, and just trust in your own ability and trust in the team's um, ability that it's going to we're going to execute what we've discussed over the past two three days which is not what happened <laughs> so <laughs> is telling this is how America play they blitz you for the 20 minutes score two three goals and then they'll sit back and counter-attack in football with Torben Heath Rapino and Alex Morgan like playing on balls over the top and then they'll just defend. So we were like, right, first 20 minutes, keep it tight. We're 2 0 down. Cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 down, 
then we're two nil then we get one back okay so we go in like all right we're still in it and actually like we was doing all right and the, the difference was i think for us against so the teams that hadn't we we had really good we we're in a really good place for attacking and we knew we were going to create chances and get opportunities and unfortunately like say we just couldn't take them and and, and push them and i think if we'd have managed to get that goal i think we would have probably went on when it just with the momentum of the game like we did have them kind of up against the wall um and i don't know whether they would have ever experienced that before so whether they would have been able to bounce back in it in, in uh, extra time or whatever but again that's what if buts and maybes unfortunately and and then yeah who knows what would have happened but um unfortunately we couldn't get the job done so they were definitely rattled though weren't they i mean i remember i was in the pub as well who would have thought for a women's world cup game so many people were going to the pub to watch these games. Just that, just it's so great to see how far that the games come. But even at two 0 down, I remember thinking this game ain't over. It was never, it was, it was never like that, and it was just oh, so annoying because it was almost like it was, it was kind of the final, really, wasn't it? Whoever was, was going to win that game was going to win the tournament. But it was, oh, it was absolutely gutting. It was yeah. so gutting. Hard for us because again, like we we got to a point where like not, not we felt like unbeatable, but you think like finally is this where we're going to beat the Americans? Like is this the one where we finally kind of are able to say we've beat them? Because we've been very close. Like, we've beat them in friendlies ugh, sporadically. We've competed with them at she believes cups and drawn and whatever. But like we've had them so many times where we've had them up against the wall and we just haven't been able to like land that last punch and just get them on the floor. Like they've always managed. to in that's why they are the best in the world they just have that that ruthless men do it all and, and they've done it so many times they just know what to do and i guess that we're still waiting for that that thing that's gonna i don't i don't know like whether it's an english thing or whatever but what that magic dust is that we seem to need to be able to get over that line at a semi-final or a final and, and finally win something but um i do believe that we are closer to it i think the yeah. the U- the youth that we're producing, both in men's and women's football, is is only going to produce something I think quite magical in the next probably five to ten years in in, in football in general. Yeah, it's 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 going to be very very exciting. Obviously, the, the men's team are doing very well in the Gareth Southgate. The women's team are doing just as good, and obviously there's a change of manager there as well now. So it's going to be a fascinating uh, couple of years, and so hopefully with everything COVID related, we can see major tournaments happening for both uh, the men's and the women's national teams. Now let's talk about Newcastle, Carl, your beloved Newcastle. <laughs> exactly. On the day, Alan St. Maximus signs an extension to his contract. Nice little pay rise for him. He um, must have been doing this show, like, just thought, you know what it is? I'm just going to give them something to talk about the night. I'm going to make sure I sign. <laughs> yeah. Do you, think, do you think he is by far the best player at the football club at the minute? At the minute, yeah. I think you can tell that as well, like, not just the fans, but probably the players. Like, when dressing room there's certain players that you want to see sat next to you in the dressing room fit and healthy and I think the lads when they turn up the training or when they're sat in St James's Park or on the bus through a away game they want him sat on the bus not sat in the medical room at home or sat back home like he's just one of them that he just seems like not just a good footballer he seems like a generally good guy and I think that's that's that combination of, of footballer is very hard to come across someone that's that's sprinkled with a bit of stardust but also is a fantastic genuine guy and I think that's why We've all fell in love with him. I don't know about you two, but I oh, on him. <laughs> he just knows, not, and, and none of it's scripted. Like he just, you can tell he's just talking from the heart about how he feels about the club, the city, the shirt, like the team that he plays in. Like he just loves it, and 
I think for Newcastle fans, that's all we ever want for anyone that pulls on that shirt. It's just someone that absolutely loves to be, whether you're a Geordie born and bred like the Longstaff brothers and you've just, that's all you've known or you're, or we take you in and love you, give you the shirt and just tell us, tell us, tell you, play your hearts out for us. That's, that's all we want. And I think that he's truly embodied that for um, past 18 months and he deserves that uh, six year contract for sure. Get him down. Sam. Steve Bruce and Newcastle started pretty well this season. Seven points from the first four games and Manchester United of the weekend. Obviously, this will come out just a couple of days after the Man United game, but hopefully Newcastle will be in Manchester United by then. Hopefully. But, <laughs> but yeah, Newcastle turns up, doesn't it? If it's the one that turned up against West Ham and Burnley, we might have a squeak. If it's the one that turned up against Brighton, no thank you. But that, that, that's the thing with Steve Bruce's Newcastle. You don't really know what you're going to get. What do you make of the job he's done, Carly? Um, look, I, I, I feel for anyone coming into that club and trying to manage not just the team, but the whole environment. I think it's it's very difficult. I think that uh, Bruce, with what he's done, I think he's done very well. I think the signings we've made this summer have probably been some of the best signings we've made in the, in the past few years, collectively. I think we've made one or two signings sporadically over a period of time which hasn't really had any impact but the fact that we've made a bunch of signings has really freshened the team up um how we've just got to keep them fit for me um as much as we can um but yeah i think he's doing well i think again we'll always look back to the the years of of the janolas and ferdinands and want that that kind of flair and football that we all and there's little flashes of it. I think that's what's so frustrating as a football football supporter. You see it in your, your Burnleys and your West Hams. You think, right, this is it. And then you play Brighton. You're like, no, it's not it. We haven't got it. <laughs> not there. Um, and that's what that's why we love the game because we live for those moments where we think, yes, the team is 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 we're, that's it. We're, we're top ten, easy. Oh, might even do a thing Europe, do a dream a little bit. Um, and then, like you say, next minute, we're just like, what's going on? We're not playing forward. We're too defensive. Dubravka's injured now. And then you've got Darlow having games of his lives. Like, it's just, I think everyone's going to have to play their part this season um, at different stages. I think it's, it's the season's packed. I don't think, unless you're a footballer, you really understand the, the physical demand of of what it's like to play in the Premier League. And then a lot of the lads will go away on international duty and, and have to play for their countries and travel and then come back and do it all um, again. But... Look, I think the lads that we've got in the minute love playing for the team. Um, and again, that goes so far um, when it comes to... If you if you love the shirt, you, I think that's 50% of the game because you'll fight, you'll scrap. And if you can win that battle, as well as put the ball in the net, that's that's your job done. Um, I think we've got a lot of fighters and scrappers in that team at the minute um, who are going to love playing for this club. So I do hope... And I do, I know we miss the fans so much in that, that stadium for me, like being a lots of stadiums all over the world and there is nothing like St James's Park and the Gallagher <laughs> I'm telling you now. Um, and I always say to lots of the girls, I'm like, look, especially the girls that come from different countries, I'm like, if you can get to a game, go to a Newcastle game. Like, I don't care who you support, it's Arsenal, I've said, but just sit in the away end, sit, I mean, sit in the home end, don't sit in the away end because you'll be bored. I was like, sit in the home end and listen to Newcastle fans and listen to a proper team, support, <laughs> like a proper city, support their team um, because it is, it's an unbelievable experience. I do hope the fans can get in uh, super quick um, because I know we definitely we definitely miss them in home and it drives us on so much. But uh, yeah, all right. But, Does it frustrate you a bit that Newcastle have never, I mean, we have a women's team, but it's 
for want of a better word, dreadfully underfunded, and they're very much at the start of their journey to to evolve in. Does it frustrate you a bit that you've never had the chance that the opportunity's never been there that Newcastle women aren't aren't you know in the WSL and really where a, a, a club like Newcastle should be, and you'll never have that opportunity to 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 play yeah. for Newcastle. Yeah, I said that like I'd always love to end my career at the club that I love if I could get the opportunity to. Um, and that might come in a different form. It might be coaching or something else. I, I, I don't really know. But yeah, it has always frustrated me because as a Newcastle fan, saying that I, I had to play at Sunderland for most of my youth um, was really hard. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like that's what Sunderland did. They invested um, across the board in their youth teams, men's and women's, uh, boys and girls. And I was lucky to have that um, and have a play that was pretty well and professionally ran that I could go to and, and play football at, at a good level. Um, and Newcastle are finally, I think, getting on that bandwagon. But like like everything, it's um, funding's always the issue. Um, and yeah, the, the women's team's always going to unfortunately take a backseat until probably things are more stable at the club. But I do think eventually, I think if we get new owners, um, the women's game is going to start making money. I think uh, reading some stuff over the past couple of weeks, we've now sold TV rights to Australia, America, Germany, um, Denmark, Norway. So the TV money is starting to come in. Uh, Sky Sports have just bought a package for games next year. And I think if you can start seeing that as a businessman, because remember, that's what these guys are. Uh, yeah. They are football fans, but effectively they, they have to look after their pockets. If they can see that women's football starts making a bit of money for them, then, yeah, they will naturally invest more into it to be able to get something out of it. That's just how it works. So I'd like to think that hopefully with that, um, more teams will come in, more Premier League teams will come in and help, again, turn the, the WSL into... Um, Premier League, but something that, that resembles it so that more fans are more receptive to it. They're more receptive to a Chelsea v Arsenal or a Liverpool v Man United than, it sounds harsh, but a Bristol v um, Birmingham. Um, that's not something fans might switch on for at the minute. And that's no disrespect to Bristol and Birmingham. Their histories are fantastic, but that's just, I think, at the, the stage that we're at, if we can get more recognised names within into the into the um, WSL, then you're going to get more fans watching. I think one of the final questions I'm going to ask you, Carly, is what's your favourite Newcastle moment? What, is there a moment that maybe you're growing up or you talk about the entertainers era or in the current crop or maybe in the Roy Robson days? Is, is there one moment that sticks out going, oh, I could just wish I could just relive that moment as a Newcastle fan? <laughs> um, oh, put me on the spot. Um, I think as a fan... I just I remember getting my first Newcastle shirt. So my first Newcastle shirt, and believe it or not, my favorite my favorite goalkeeper at the time was actually Shaka Hislop. Um, and he actually messaged me during the World Cup because I did an interview similar to this and mentioned him. And he actually messaged me on Twitter, which I was absolutely buzzing over. But he had he had the um, it was black sleeves, and it was like the the top went from like yellow to orange. And it was like the time bridge on the back. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> it was my first goalkeeping shirt. And I think as a fan, like that was the moment, like I was, it was like me christening. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's it. Like I'm a proper, and also like it, I was a goalkeeper as well. So I know it's not a moment where it was like a game or anything like that, because I think back then, like I probably wasn't exposed to a lot of watching a lot of football. Um, I think we only had like channel one, two, three and four. And I didn't, we didn't go to a lot of games. So for me, it was just, 
the posters on my wall on my shirt as a fan like that was my moment is opening that present like Christmas day and getting that shirt on and just thinking like I was I was one of them like <laughs> the first time yeah. I was like so like I thought I was I mean in the garden I was a player obviously yeah, <laughs> but yeah I was just like that was me I was a proper fan so yeah I just I think for me that's it and I don't I probably maybe for a lot of kids or whatever that when you get shirt like it is it's just, you are part of the the club for, for the rest of your life effectively I think that's a fantastic way to end things tonight Carly it has been an absolute pleasure having no, you on the Green and Mullen show tonight and we can only wish you the very best with everything with England and in Chelsea in the future. But Sam, an absolute delight, hasn't it, for the last hour or so? Oh, I can't believe it's been an hour already. It seemed like 10 minutes. <laughs> these these fly by, absolutely fly by. I mean, it's more interesting than in the England game if we're losing against Denmark anyway, isn't it? It's time to start the second half, so come on, lads, I'd say. Let's get ourselves together. We'll let Carly and Sam... Well, everybody watch the rest of the single match as well. But yeah, a big thanks to our sponsors, BF52. If you want to get on the BF52.com forward slash NFTV, you're more than welcome to do so. Eight cans for five ninety five, which is the uh, price for packaging as well. And again, this podcast is available on Tuesdays. It's available on Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podomatic, you name it. So for myself and Sam, iTunes as well. And if you want to hear... one, that's fine. <laughs> and the main one... <laughs> <laughs> of course so from myself and Sam and again from Carly as well we'll see you all very very soon thanks guys take care